Hey everybody, it is John and Dan with the Smart B Sports Update Special Edition for the Melbourne Cup. Uh, we've got Dean Evans and Luke Murrell here as guests to um, hide the fact that me and Dan are completely ignorant of horse racing. <laughs> Hi guys. Um, before we kick off, our, our sponsor, our featured bookmaker for the month of November is Elite Bet. So all bookmakers claim to offer service of some description, but at Elite Bet, they generally pride themselves on offering exceptional personal services that is not found in the bookmaking industry. An Australian-owned business where old-fashioned customer service really matters. EliteBet.com.au. Make sure you go to SmartB.com.au and click on the Elite Bet logo to sign up. As I said, we're here with Dean Evans, a renowned punter and founder of Winning Edge Investments, one of our other sponsors, and Luke Morrill, who's the founder of Australian Bloodstock and owner of two Melbourne Cup winners, Protectionist and Gold Trip, who runs again this year. How are you guys? Uh, morning, good, thank you. Yeah, good, thanks, John. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so last year, you two, you did a 2022 Melbourne Cup podcast and you both tipped the $21 winner gold trip as your second picks. Um, Luke, you tipped the $500 Cornella in your top five, including Embassy, who runs sec ran second at 25 to one. Oh, wow. You even gave two other tips around the traps in that podcast, tipping as a bonus bet Rustic Steel at $13 to win the big dance at Randwick and Nugget at $10, who ran second at Flemington. So we're looking forward to see if you can find anything else for us also, actually. Um, probably better off starting with the Melbourne Cup, which is what everyone wants to hear about. So, um, yeah, what do you guys actually generally look for in a Melbourne Cup winner? Maybe we can start with Luke. Um, for me, it's very simple. It's um, you have to, your first point of call is you have to have miles in your legs. If we look back through the history of the race and the top three finishes historically they've all had um 10,000 meters in their legs in, in that preparation and i think that's very very important um obviously some of these horses are running at the trip for the first time others have been here before but um it's it just seems to be a different pain barrier for the horses and um you, you're really looking for those fit horses uh there's been some amazing trainers tried over the years to go in fresh or with with limited miles in their legs. And while they can get away with it over the shorter trips, the Melbourne Cup has um, undone the best trainers in the world time and time again. So if they don't have that 10,000 metres in their legs, you're really, really behind the eight ball before they even jump out. Okay. Yeah, um, so, so... Sorry, John, do you mind if I jump in? Yeah, yeah, sure, go for it. Yeah, um, yeah, Luke. So, w w which horses in, in the race do you think sort of um, fit that bill? Which ones going into Tuesday ha have those miles in the legs that you're talking about? Yeah, it's an interesting race this year. We've got um, a a number of horses that have got that. Um, yeah. And surprisingly, there's a couple there in the race that are hard in the market that don't. Um, yeah. Overall, compared to previous years, we've pr I think we've got. Um, 13 this year from memory that have got that tick that box, right? And yep. the other, obviously, the other nine don't. Um, mm. we've got the fittest horse in the last 30 years going into the race this year, which is True Marvel. He's got close to 49,000 meters, he hasn't had a spell in um, nearly 18 months, so oh, that's wow. an interesting tactic. Um, 
obviously he's one of the outsiders and he looks a fair income flat hurdler. But um, look, it, that's the fittest we've ever seen. We used to see horses like Red Cardinal and um, a few like that sort of come here and, and really have the moles in the legs and they'd come here with no form overseas and all of a sudden perform here and... Um, I know sometimes the connections put it down to they just like this environment, and maybe that was the case, but mm. um, it's always a race each year. Because of the way the prize money's structured, um, you get paid down to 12th this year for uh, 125000 I think it is, if you run 12th, and then you get nothing if you run 13th. So a lot of connections will not only run just for the prestige of running in the race, but um, for some of these horses, they're badly out of form, and they're thinking if they can beat, you know, 12 of them home, they're going to get a, a check that they probably otherwise aren't capable of getting at the moment. So it, it's that type of race every year, I suppose. Yeah, and is there a lead-up race you sort of look at sort of going into the... the I mean, it's obviously, as a punter, it's, it's one of the most difficult races to pick each year. Um, is there a lead-up race that you look at and go, well, that gives me the best indication of of who's going to have a good run at the Cup? Um, probably about a Dean there. He, he's um, experienced there. Always seems to. I read yep. his articles all the time, and they just seem to yep. come to the fore time and time again. So for me, not yep. really. I, I don't place any more emphasis on one over the other. Um, yeah. For me, it's more about that grounding and that setup. And I'm not a big fan. Like like it's a grand final, so yeah. These horses are are right, 110 percent ready to rock and roll. Um, not a big fan of horses that are you know three and four weeks. I see Serpentine yeah. is one of them this year that's sort of going in mad fresh. Um, and then obviously you've got a couple of the imports. But the other thing yeah. with the imports, when you look at the ones that have been successful over here, they've always had a run right close to quarantine. And yeah. Yeah. I think that helps as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you don't mind, Dean, I might just throw that question your way then. Would, that, would there be a lead-up race that um, the punters could sort of look at and go, well, that's my best indicator going into the cup? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, it, it sort of it's changed a lot over the years. I think historically people used to look at the, the Caulfield Cup as sort of the big lead-up. Um, yeah. And yet over the last sort of 12 years, there's been 90 runners um uh, his last start was in the Caulfield Cup for only one winner. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and some of them in Bart Cummings used to like to back them up on, uh, you know, on the Saturday on Derby Day before the Tuesday. We've had 27 runners back up from three days before in the last 12 years for, for no winners. Um, the, the best lead-up in, in recent time, the last 12 years, has been uh, Cox Plate Day or either the Cox Plate or the Mooney Valley Cup. We've had 52 runners for five winners. Coming out of that yep. day, the Geelong, Geelong Cups had 21 runners for one winner. Uh, the Herbert Powers had nine runners for one winner. The Bart Cummings, 14 runners for one winner. And then sort of these overseas horses, 62 runners for three winners. So, so it seems a sort of a quick backup. Um, and um, and even the Caulfield Cup, you know, interestingly, if it's their last run, has not been a good um, a good lead-up to find the winner unless they do, uh, you know, what Gold Trip did, which is then run in the Cox Plate afterwards, which, um, you know, is then, uh, you know, one of the best lead-ups. So that's sort of uh, the best lead-up into it. Um, but, you know, I spent a lot of time on all of these big races doing sort of the historical stuff. And yep. a lot of people with the Melbourne Cup, they talk about things like age, but age is reasonably irrelevant. Um, you know, in the last 12 years, we've had four-year-olds to eight-year-olds win it. Um, and every age in between, you know, barriers are 
completely and utterly irrelevant. Um, and interestingly, you know, being a two-mile race, even uh, having actually run or won over 30, 200 metres is irrelevant for nine. Uh, nine of the, the last 12 winners hadn't even run over two miles before, and 11 of the 12 had never won over two miles before. So a lot of those factors that people like to talk about and you see them in the papers and all that sort of stuff are actually completely irrelevant. So the factor that surprisingly, I think, is most relevant um, is actually just, you know, where they finished in their last three starts and how close to the winner they were, or, or if they won over the last three starts. Um, if you might think over a two-mile race, you know, that, you know, horses might have a couple of runs over 2,000 or 2,400 and they might finish, you know, a bit back and then they'll be warming up into it. But 10 of the last 12 winners finished first to fourth at their last start, 10 finished first to fourth at their second last start, and all 12 of them finished first to fifth at their third last start. So horses in form are actually the, the biggest pointer in all the historical factors. And, and again, you know, if they won or finished within two lengths of the winner at the last start, 11 of the 12 winners had that factor. Um, and at the third last start, you know, either won or finished within the length of the winner with 11 of the 12 last winners. Um, and in fact, all 12 uh, of the last 12 winners had a starting price of under $10 um, at the last start. So, um, you know, you can look at all these different sort of form factors, but um, the bottom line is with 24, you know, high quality horses, um, you know, the Melbourne Cup winner is a horse that's in form um, and, uh, and has been likely to market at their last start and, and has been really consistent usually in their last three runs um, going into the race. That's fascinating. Yeah, uh, Did you say the Caulfield oh yeah, sorry, Cup? Yeah. Sorry. sorry, just to cut in. The Caulfield Cup's had one winner out of 90 or something. That's with their Caulfield Cup um, as the last start wow. <clears throat> before the Melbourne Cup. So. Yeah, it's it's really, um, and I think I think I saw something in the last twenty five years has had six winners, but in in the last twelve years, if their Caulfield Cup was their last run, you know, ninety ninety horses have come out of the Caulfield Cup their last run and, and only one winner. Um, wow. So it is it is not proving the 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 right form rate right, uh, as it yeah, used to yeah. be, and, and it's really you know the Moon Valley Cup, the Geelong Cup, the Cox Plate, the Herbert Tower. Uh, the Bart Cummings, they're, they're sort of coming out of those races, um, but they're not coming out of the Caulfield Cup directly anymore. I would argue, not argue, but um, I know a lot of trainers over the years, especially recently, find Caulfield just too firm, and mm. uh, a lot of horses struggle to pull up out of Caulfield. So, yeah, and, and those stats certainly back that up. So, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, um... Just got a bit a question for uh, for both of you if you don't mind. Um, I, I'm I'm sort of like a casual punter. I back one horse in in the Melbourne Cup every year, and I, I, I've only ever backed um, one winner in my life. That was back in 2011 with Dunedin. Um, um, why why do you think it is so hard for for punters to to pick a winner in this race? Oh, you go, Dean. Uh, well. Uh, well, you know, I think a lot of your your, uh, your one to year punters, you know, at the end of the day, one of the simple factors that they're 24 runners. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, you know, so there's, there's uh, you know, it's a bit easier to pick a winner in an eight horse race than a 24 horse race. Um, yeah. I think the other factor is um, that in, uh, I'm not sure exactly my details, but the last sort of 15 years or so, at least possibly 20 years, there's only been two favourites wins. 
Um, so again, like your mum and dad are probably looking at the favourite and uh, you know wanting to back them. And um, it's not actually a race where the favourites have a particularly good record at all. So the big trumped yeah. up horses, particularly the ones that have come from overseas, um, you know, every year there's, and there's one this year again. You know, they they actually flop more often than they win. Um, and so uh, and so you know, although um, you know the horses generally sort of close to the market have a have a good record. Um, it's not necessarily the favourite that you want to be in. You know, uh, um, the favourites won one in the last twelve years, um, but then the second to fourth favourites have won another five times, and then the fifth to tenth favourites won five times. And then we had sort of Prince of Penzance, who I think is the uh, the second roughest horse in the race. It's sort of 150 to one in one year. So, um, so you know, it can throw up a, a big result. And um, plus, you got the the fact that. You've, you've sort of always each year got, you know, this year I think there's about four horses that haven't actually run in Australia before, and so you're trying to weigh up all that overseas form as well. I, I yeah, normally, sure. personally, I yeah. normally bet on the one that's paying like $150. <laughs> <laughs> that might be your problem. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the best way to do it, to make the, to chance the most money? <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and look, I think what Dean just said there, yeah. you know, your, your casual, I, I hear those people talk, you know, they either back the favourite, which Dean's just highlighted probably quick way to the poorhouse, or they go your method, which I'll, I'll take an absolute roughie. And um, I think that's why so many people struggle with the race. But um, for mine, it's a race I really look forward to because there's so many horses just can't win. And yes, there's 24, but a little bit of um, drilling down and you can really narrow it down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just just looking at the, um, the the trainers and the jockeys, um, obviously the, the, the names that stick out to me is, to be honest, yeah, not, a, uh, not a big racing person, but the names that sort of jump out off the page to me, obviously Damien Oliver on Alan Quir, um, you know, Chris Waller training Solcombe, um, and yeah, just working down the list here. Karen McAvoy on Ashron. Um, yeah, Chris Waller with Shiraz. Chris Waller with Magical Lagoon. Um, Gay Waterhouse, Military Mission and Serpentine. Um, Chris Waller again with more felons. Um, yeah, sorry if I've missed anyone there, but those names obviously jump out off the page to me. Um, of those names, who do you think sort of got the, 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 best, the best chance this year of, of success? Or I'm well, winning, I should say. Yeah, yeah. For mine, um, Chris Waller's very well recognised. He, he, he wins yeah. the derby yesterday. So the once-a-year punters will, will naturally flock to Chris. But yeah. for mine, yeah. um, every year, I think Chris Chris's preparation for his horses, in his mind, obviously very good. But um, you look at the historical facts of the great man that's you know the most successful trainer in the race and... Chris does it exactly the opposite. His horses largely go into the race um, with not enough miles in their legs. Um, yeah. Very very elegant for being the one uh, exception, and I think that was just a particularly weak year for mine. So um, I think Chris will be over bet, and um, he's probably done it again this year. So um, yeah, look at you know lots of different angles, and people can just throw a dart if they like and pick a name that they know, but um. Yeah, I think if you, you know, hopefully at the end of this podcast, me and Dean will be able to point you into some sort of 
narrow it down. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point you make there, Luke. Yeah, um, I guess, yeah, a bit of a surprise for someone like myself to see that Chris Waller's only had the one winner, and that was very elegant, as you said, back in 2021. Um, so, yeah, that that is a bit surprising to me that he doesn't have... And I know, obviously, a great achievement to win any Melbourne Cup at any time, obviously. But, yeah, obviously, um, hazarding a guess, I, I would have thought he would have had more than just the one win at this point. Yeah, yeah. But um, the racing meet is a funnier one, you know. There's only one or two channels, and they've got to talk about something, and the guys with the biggest numbers and... Look, to be fair, him and uh, Ma win the most races, so they get plenty yeah, of coverage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kieran started to really hit the target with him, and I think he's got some huge numbers again this year in the race. So, um, yeah, they're just different different methods. I think um, Ma's put a lot more grounding, and that they chase more of those staying types where Chris seems to have more of a selection and doesn't seem to have too many out-and-out stayers. He, he has more miles, 2,000, so... Might be just down to the horse flush as well. Do you guys want to go through each runner and get uh, Dean and thoughts on the chances? Um, starting, of course, with Gold Trip, which actually that's your horse, right, Luke? Yeah. Um, yep, no problem. Um, for me, the history books say, obviously, he's got to break another record this year, which he broke last year, but... He's, he's got to carry 58 and a half. And I think I read somewhere, you know, he's, that takes us back to 1969 or something. So the best part of 50-odd years to carry this type of weight is always a bit of a concern. But I think um, from a Melbourne Cup point of view, gone are the days where it's been a really true handicap. Um you know, he's he's officially rated 122, and you've got the bottom one there, True Marvel, at 102. So for a lot of these horses, he's still quite well in because it's not a true handicap anymore. If it was a true handicap, uh, perhaps he'd have a little bit more, and some of these lesser horses could have um, different weights than what they're actually carrying. So the race has turned into a lot more compressed, and that naturally will always help most of these horses close to the top of the the handicap carrying the weight. So for Gold Trip, um, for mine, he doesn't have as many miles in the legs this year. He's only 8,600, which is he's definitely, definitely going much better than he was last year. But he doesn't have the same grounding that he had last year. And for mine, that's my major concern. He'll run top four. He'll be right in the finish. The trip's no issue um he's a really tough horse so the backup's never been an issue with him and genuine top four chance but i i my heart i reckon he runs second third four okay um how about you dean yeah look up at the one that's race you know comfortably by a couple of lengths last year um i agree with luke i think he's, he's going uh even better into it this year than he was last year um it's it's quite interesting and you know, i usually in a race, if you drew barrier two and you had James McDonald on the board, you'd be very, very happy. And that's a big positive. But I think with this horse, um, he would have preferred a wider gate. He's sort of a horse that really blends into the race, like he's in the Turnbull. Um, and when he sort of has plenty of clear area, that's probably more ideal for him. And, and I suppose he just would have preferred to have his regular jockey, Mark Zara, aboard. He's ridden him so well so many times. And um, another one time, James rode him. I think he, he pulled up lane. Um, 
but uh, you know, I, I think, uh, like Luke said, the weight's um, a challenge, but he's he's sort of good enough, I think, to carry it. And I sort of agree with Luke. I think he's he's probably very likely to run a place, um, but it's just whether that big weight on a on a bit of a firmer track, and and just whether you know, from that inside gate, he's, he's going to get the room that he's a little too light to have usually to 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 work his way into the race and um, um, and uh, and charge home at the end. His his jockey is the heaviest jockey in the race, correct? So, yeah, so he'll carry the most the weight. Um, I must say, I think the change from Zara to McDonald is worth two, two and a half lengths to him. Um, nothing against Mark. He's rode him quite well in some of his races, but um, James McDonald is a different planet to Mark Zara in terms of ability and even tactically. Um, Mark's done really well. He's sort of, he won on him first up and um, he outrode him in the Caulfield Cup. He outrode Millen in the Caulfield Cup, which was, you know, arguably could have finished two lengths closer. But I think that's one factor that probably is missed. Um, Jay McDonald is the best in in Australia by some way, and um, I think that's a real upgrade for the horse. And it's the one factor I'm sort of saying needs to be probably included, probably a bit higher than most people are allowing actually. Um, so, uh, odds brought to everybody by Elite Bet today. It's um, Gold Trip paying $5 for a win and $1.90 for a place. Um, seems so bad to me, but as I said, I'm the uneducated one. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to number two, it's I don't know how to pronounce these horse names, sorry. Um, Alenqua? Um, what are your yeah, thoughts on, on this? Yep. Alan Kerr, cool. <laughs> You're going to have to call no, me every right. time close, I get it wrong. Close enough. Close enough. Um, <laughs> so what are your thoughts on Alan Kerr? Uh, look, I think his connections must feel very pleased to have him in the race because he's done absolutely nothing over here. He's um, He ran in what I think was a suspect derby over in England, um, ran a place there to sort of sort of get that rating right up. Then uh, Moroni's went and paid the best part of about two million bucks for him through the sales, and since he's got here, he's done absolutely nothing. Um, I know he finished close up the other day, which may be hinting at a return to form. But so you're pretty brave. Like his his last win was May 2022 in a in a Group One. It has to be said at the Curra, but look, he beat a couple of horses that either were out of form or didn't really stay the trip that day. So, and that was only 2000. So I think they're guessing here as far as trip, um, the sire over in Europe gets a lot of winners over this sort of range. But, um, I thought he was flattered last start at Mooney Valley and, um, really, I can't see him finishing in the top six or seven. So does Damien Oliver help him at all, Luke? Nope. No, they can't carry him. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think, to be fair to Damien, um, he did me a f- couple of favours yesterday. But um, look, I don't think Damien's probably in the same form that he that he used to be in either. So I think, um, yeah, grand grand campaigners. But um, I, I'd be really surprised if they were there Tuesday. Okay, and how about it's you, interesting. Um, yeah, I agree with Luke. It's just not going well enough. Um, um, uh, and he don't think he is good enough. He's got a crazy high weight, um, given how he's performing, and um, and he probably doesn't run two miles anyway. So, 
think he'll be out the back. Uh, one of the last to finish. Okay. Wow. And he's paying seventy-one dollars. That's my kind of bet. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can bet it with me or Dean. That's <laughs> <laughs> just me handing ten dollars over to you. Um, and so number three, you bet with your head not over it, everybody. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> so yeah, number three without a fight. Um, so that's the yeah they're uh, paying seven dollars actually with a leap bet right now. What do, what are your thoughts on without a fight? You want to go, Ben? Um, well, he's obviously flying. Um, hit the line hard in the unbid state um, and took out the Corsair Cup last start. Um, you know, he ran the race last year. Uh, Going to presume that the wet track was sort of his undoing that year. I was quite keen on him. Horses that sort of have a run in the Melbourne Cup um, quite often, uh, you know, improve a loss um, at their next run. Very elegant sort of. Uh, been about four lengths in a, in, a, in, a, in a Melbourne Cup, and then obviously one of the year after. Um, he's going really, really well. Uh, he's sort of won, won three from four for Friedman's. They know how to train a, um, a Melbourne Cup winner, that um, that family. Um, and I thought his European form was, um, was good leading into it last year. Um, I suspect Luke's going to say something about the miles and his legs, but. Um, you know, maybe it's a little bit more like a Valen Declare, although Valen Declare did have some 3,000 metre runs in Brisbane before his Melbourne Cup run, which is probably the difference. But, you know, he's, um, he, he's right in the mix. He sort of has all the right sort of form factors um, and ticks a lot of boxes. Obviously, the big negative that I have is the stat I gave before that um, only one from 90 have come out of the course of the Cup and, uh, and one. So that's, um, that, that's a negative. Plus, he's got a, a big weight, but um, he's, certainly, he's certainly one of the big chances for me. How about you, Luke? Um, is, Dean, is Dean right? Uh, can I put money on Dean being right about your prediction with the legs? Yeah, um, I, I think um, probably one thing we haven't spoke about was actual the speed in the race. And it, on my map, I've got half the field that want to settle midfield. Um, and without a fight, definitely one of them. My biggest issue is where's he going to get to on the map? Because... I've got potentially eight or nine inside him. So he's obviously not going to sit out wide. That's going to force Zara's hand to go, does he go right forward or does he, you know, um, snag and go right back? I think Zara's style is he'll go back because if he if he comes out midfield and has a look, he's, his race will be over after about 400 metres, uh, especially if he gets caught out there. So he's definitely going good enough. Um, the ride in the Caulfield Cup was the PR of, for the race. But if you stop the race halfway, where you wanted to be was where Zara was. And then somehow he got around Melon's heels, boxed the one to beat in, and then um, ran away with it. Sectionally, was excellent through the line. It's one quirky thing, though. This horse is a bred by a sire called Teofilo, and Teofilo, as a sire, bearing in mind he stands in Ireland, so he gets a lot of European runners, and there's a lot of 3,000-metre races. As a sire, his stats are pretty deplorable up over this trip. So not a lot of them run the distance. Um, lots of people wanted to make the excuse that he didn't um, handle the wet last year. Maybe that was the case. His form overseas is definitely good enough for this. Um, my slight 
question Dean touched on it before about the moles and the legs. This horse, I'm saying, has enough because when we look at his profile, he had a couple of runs in Eagle Farm, 1,800, 2,200. So there's 4,000 metres. But then he only had 105 days to his next run. And in between, he had two trials. So even though he didn't race during that period, I don't think he actually would have had a spell. He would have just constantly been in training. And it's more the European method. So from a miles in the legs point of view, you count those Eagle Farm runs because he's still in full work. So it's even though 105 days would indicate, well, he's had a little break, for a staying horse, that wouldn't have happened. So um, he sort of gets the 4,000 from Eagle Farm, he gets the 1,800 for Caulfield and then the 2,400 from the uh, Caulfield Cup. So he's close to the 10,000, but A, he doesn't have it. So that's a negative. The size a negative. The maps are negative. Um, Zara's rode him well and obviously thinks he's, he's a good winning chance, but I really think that map buggers this horse. And if he'd drawn sort of 6 to 10, I'm saying he's a genuine top three, I think he's gone from a winning chance to, at best, a, a third or a fourth. Okay. Um, and so breakup, um, it doesn't look like any anywhere near the favourite paying nineteen dollars in a leap bet right now for a win. Um, what do you think about breakup, Dean? Um, yeah, he's an interesting runner. Japanese Entire, five wins, seven placements, and twenty-two starts. He's a Group Two winner over there, over twenty-five hundred. He's run. Group one fourth over two miles, group two third over 3,000 metres in Japan. Um, the Japanese stars have been panels above ours and probably the rest of the world for a long time. Um, the last time they came here, they won a course of a couple with Murder Glass, they won a cockpit with Ligature, Delta Blues and Pop Rock, Quinilla, um, uh, Melbourne Cup, Maharaki won a course of Cup. You know, Breakup holds somewhat similar formats and ratings for those sorts of horses. He, he was disappointing in the Caulfield Cup. Um, but one interesting thing about his form when you sort of go through it is he's actually, he's run some shockers and then he, then he bounced back, uh, you know, got beat 15 lengths one day, then sort of ran second his next, uh, he got, uh, got beaten 23 lengths one day, then ran third over 3000 meters next, start in a group two. So he can mix his form like Luke said earlier, you know, the course of cup, that track can be pretty hard. Um, plus. Uh, you know, they ran, they ran 20 lengths of both par in that course of the cup, so it was a, a quite a brutally run race, and it's probably completely different sort of style of race to what he's going to get in this Melbourne Cup. Um, so maybe just that the bigger track for two miles, you know, Flemington's always softer than Caulfield, um, plus his rider that rode him in, in, the, in his sort of group one, group two placing over sort of two miles in Japan is, is flowing over. So I just think all those factors mean that... Um, he might improve a bit, yeah, break up. And I think he's definitely one you've got to sort of throw into your trifectas and, and consider because um, if he runs up to that Japanese form, then he's in the race. How about you, Luke? You agree with Dean? Yeah, um, he's a scary horse for me because I think he's just got a bit of sense of timing about him. Um, he's... So I do all the sectional times over there in Japan and he's too staying races over there over the two miles have been uh, I think four seconds from memory and three seconds um, so significantly slow below par over there and he's run on and, and run good sectionals but for mine he was always the traveling companion this horse for the good Japanese that was coming 
and under the VRC protocols, he was gone before he even left the country. So I think they've decided to come and still have a crack. Um, the Caulfield Cup run just left me a bit cold. Yes, a brutal run race, and it wasn't his grand final, but if there was one horse that had the, the perfect run outside of the winner, it was this horse, and I was bitterly disappointed. He couldn't even go past a, a donkey like Valiant King, and he had the just the A1 ride and run to do that. So that left me a little bit cold, but he has got a sense of timing about him. It looks like they've bought him from a Melbourne Cup. In their head, they think he's a, a two-miler. Um, I just would have liked to have seen him be a little bit stronger the other day. And I've got to say, his Japanese form, even though the Japanese are far superior to our animals, he's only just a horse over there. So um, a bit like Dean, I think third and fourth, you, you, you include him, but... I don't think he can win. Okay. Um, another favourite, um, uh, uh, Vauban. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it, I think it's Vauban, isn't it? There's a bit of an issue around the pronunciation of this one. A lot of people have been saying Vauban, but I believe it's Vauban. Is that does that sound right? Yeah, well, I call him Vauban, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> I, I read an article about that. Vauban is actually the correct pronunciation, but. And anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll the, 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 the the Pommy commentators call him Vauban, but um, maybe that's what the owner wants him to call. So this is the favourite. Oh, right, okay. You know, we discussed the favourite is not the really hasn't generally been the best bet. But what what do you guys think his chance of winning? Um, you want to you want to start with Luke? Yeah, um, really interesting runner. He he was sort of first off. You got to know he's trained by a guy called Willie Mullins who is an absolute freak of a trainer. He's, I think his career strike rate something like 30-odd percent. Um, largely only trained sort of jumping and hurdling type horses, but um, there's not a probably a trainer on the planet that would have him as fit as what Willie will have them. And he's interestingly got two runners in the race. Um, he was brought to go hurdling. He's very good at that discipline. So they... Brought him to Ascot um, over the carnival, and it was a firm track. And on his ratings, he probably wouldn't win a Broken Hill Cup. Visually, he was very impressive, but he beat a couple of hairy goats there, and there was nothing, nothing in that race. Um, he won by about four or five lengths. The, the problem was, I, I think if something challenged him, he didn't also have anything left in the tank Maybe he finds a length, but that rating that day was terrible. He ran home in close to 36.8 seconds for the last 600, and that was a day where you could run 34. So there was nothing special about the zip home. I think he was really, really flattered that day. And then his next run that has um, people talking was on a soft seven, sort of heavy eight. That was a better run. Um Interestingly, in the horse that ran okay in the Caulfield Cup, Valiant King, pushed him that day. And he's by a sire called Galliway, who's renowned for getting wet and heavy trackers. So you've got two major flat runs to assess him on. The one on the good track, the ambulance could hit him. The one on the soft track, he's, he's a genuine top three chance. 
My issue is you've got to come all the way around the world, run on a very firm track, and he's one or two ratings that he's got on a firm track don't even have you close to what's going to be required here. So, but his wet track run probably does put him in the finish. So, for mine, he's he's a chance, but this horse should be fifteen, eighteen dollars. He shouldn't be three dollars fifty. Mm. Um, Ryan Moore's won the race previously um, on our bloke protectionist, but uh, and probably you know he is the best in the world. But they can't pick him up and carry him. And I'm very, very suspect on this horse's price more than anything can. From a price point of view, you've got to oppose him because there's no reference point to say he should be this price. Okay. And um, how about you, Dean? Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm certainly not an expert on the overseas races like like Luca's, um, but I I just every year we seem to have this boom overseas horse that doesn't run here. Uh, you know, William Mullins has been here before. He's, he's, he's run a couple of places in this Max Dynamite. He tells everyone the sport is better than it. Um, you know, like Luke said, he thought he won an Ascot race, but it wasn't a big race at Ascot. It was sort of a, just a handicap. It wasn't a group race. Um, won 50k prize money there uh, in, in pounds. He won sort of 30k prize money in his next win. Um, I look at the same not observed. It won a race where it won 300k for Ebor. Um, which is usually a good, good lead up. Um, and observed uh, actually going second to um, to Vorban in, in that Ascot race, but it won't work in length, but you know, he came from a long, long way back, so Vorban was the wrong pace. Um, and it just sort of, you know, the statement actually ran more like a Melbourne Cup sort of horse and had a good turn of foot too. But um, yeah, no, just uh, every year you get these really, these ones at really short price, and if he's sort of going to be 350, 360, I'm. Um, I'm happy to oppose him and just bet around him because, like Luke said, he just needs to be that price. Okay, so not even a place bet for this one, even odds a favourite? Well, for me, he'll he'll win or he'll run well down the track, so no. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm trying to work out my bets. Um, okay, so number six, Sulcum. Sulcum, yep. Um, what do you think of this one? Um, why don't we start with Dean? Uh, yeah, it's sort of an interesting runner. He's, he's racing in consistently good form. Um, he's got a top jockey, Joe Marrera, on board. Um, uh, and um, he's sort of done some stuff overseas. You know, he's won over sort of 2,800 metres. Won a Queen Elizabeth here over 2,600. So it looks like he's proven he can stay. His, his big problem is he misses the start. He sort of missed the start. Two lengths first up and missed it two lengths in the Turnbull, and then he got worse and missed it four lengths in the Caulfield Cup. Um, he was so far back in the Caulfield Cup that um, uh, he never sort of really got into the race, but he, um, uh, his closing sectionals were still, um, you know, not the best in the race, you know, without a fight, was from blow gold triples, still ran better sectionals, and then there's no sort of out the back there. Um, so, you know, I think he's he's in the mix. He's, he's got you know the right sort of trainer and, and jockey combination. He's got a nice soft draw. Um, if he misses the start, it's going to be very difficult for him. If he doesn't, he's probably in the race. He's just he's just for whatever reason he's not sort of a horse that I'm hugely keen on to win the race. But by the same token, he's probably a, a pretty solid chance of, of running a place and running a decent race. But, um, um, he's sort of that that sort of horse. 
And, and Luke, do you agree? Yeah, I do. Um, he's a scary horse for me. This is the one horse that, what I'm hanging on to, he doesn't have the miles in his legs. Mm-hmm. And for that reason alone, um, Chris Waller typically as a trainer is, uh, you'd regard him as quite um, fair and soft on them rather than, you know, really send them to the wall. So I'm really concerned about that sort of, that starting issue. He's had it his whole career and we saw at Caulfield, uh, he missed it badly. I, I, th- I think it's important with the Caulfield race, they went that quick. Unless horses were midfield or closer, I, I, those race shapes are types that you can't do anything from that far back because by the time you make up the amount of ground needed, you've spent all your carrots and you've still got generally six or 800 metres to go. So he, he's another one that's got a sense of timing. If we remember to... Um, Last year, Melbourne Cup Day, there was a horse that got off the plane. He was in Chris Waller's name, but um, he was basically trained by his old trainer. He absolutely pissed in that day. And it's that running, I can't get out of my head, because if he produces that, that puts him probably as the one to beat. But as Dean said, he's more than likely going to be way out the back. I've got an above average tempo for this race. So that probably allows him to come into the race. But um, I think his two negatives are that terrible habit of missing the start and the fact that he doesn't quite have the miles in his legs. So he's going to need the perfect race shape, but definitely don't leave him out. Um, he's a bit of a scary horse. Okay, that's great. Um, sorry, John, do you mind if I just jump in and ask Luke a follow-up to that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, Luke, um, I found it really interesting what you've said about the, the Chris Waller approach to this race. And I can't help but think that if you, or that, that you're, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems to me that you think if he had have gone that harder approach on his horses, got more miles in the legs in the lead up, that he would have um, probably more than just the one Melbourne Cup winner at this point in his career. 100%. Um... And look, you know, it's it's not my idea. It was it was Bart Cummings's theory, and yeah. it's just something that just keeps showing up year after year. Whether it's a Sydney Cup, a Eagle Farm Cup, you know, um, you need miles in your legs, especially yeah. in these big grand final races. Yeah, very interesting insight, that. Um, and so Dean, you touched on absurd before. Who's the next runner? Um, do you want to follow up with what you were saying there? Yeah, again, you know, trained by Willie Mullins, so he's got the right trainer. He, he won the E-ball last night under a big weight, but race has proven to be a, a good point of this race in the past. Historically, he's got the back turn to ride. He's got a really nice draw and eight. Um, I thought he hit the line really, really hard um, in that in that run before the E-ball win at Ascot. Um, and I just think the price discrepancy between him and, and Vauban is is, um, is much larger than it should be and if I'm going to back one of them in the race, I'd rather be backing him. It's $17. He's currently paying $17 with our um, maker of the month at league bet for a win or $4.60 for a place. Um, so you think that's like a, a good bet? Um, I'd, I'd just... rather be backing him each way than, than Vorbo. Okay. Um, and how about you, Luke? 
you think of them? Yeah, interestingly, um, the e-ball for mine is always a second-tier handicap. Um, we were lucky enough to win it when it was worth a lot of money a few years ago with Mustajir, and he had a couple of goes here in the cup and couldn't get close to them. The time this year, what they do in the e-ball, they have this race over 2,800, which is what the e-ball is, and they have a three-year-old edition. Now, the three-year-olds this year ran uh, about six lengths quicker overall, and they come home four lengths quicker. So he's a definite trier, this horse. He will get you the trip. Um, we touched on Willie Mullins before. There's there's no issue with that bloke. But on um, good to firm ground, his best run was the e-ball, but I've got that about eight to ten lengths off what will be required here. I, I, I don't really give him much hope. He's been bought as the pacemaker for Vorban. Um, whether he's going to have that speed with with some of the Australian horses, I question, but he's definitely been bought as a pacemaker. Now, legally, in theory, you're not allowed to have pacemakers, but that doesn't mean we don't have them. Yep. Um, so he'll be there to set the tempo um, for Vorban. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And... Um, look, he's got 12,900 metres in his legs, so that gives him a tick. Uh, he's going to be on speed, which is, you know, you avoid a lot of trouble when you're up and on speed. And we've seen a few Melbourne Cup winners that weren't probably the best horses in the race still win or run placings because of that. So, as Dean said, he's sort of a, a he's probably a better value bet. You'd rather back him in the place than Will be in the win, put it that way. And um, But realistically, I, I don't think he's much hope. And um, happy to be around him. Okay. Um, so number eight, right? You are. Um, who wants to kick off? For right, you are. It's not one of the obviously far away from being a favourite, paying sixty-seven dollars as a lead bet right now. Um, no chance. Um, interesting what you were saying about pacemakers. Um, Luke, yeah, that might be the case. But the one thing I remember about pacemakers is Godolphin. Tried for many years to win this race when Side Benfura was, was coming in. I remember about three years in a row where they brought a pacemaker that sort of led and, um, and they ran second about three times with some of those things, sort of 50, 60 to 1. So sometimes there's not a lot of speed. Those horses just keep sticking on. But anyway, they do. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. hope that, that that happens with a third. But um, right, you are the funny horse. I've, I've never been a big fan of this horse. Um, this is, I've never really been one of mine. I've sort of been winning over 2,000, 2,400. Um, he just doesn't give any impression that two miles is going to suit him. Um, and he might be a bit like Smoking Romans that sort of ran on this race last year and, and ran down the track for Kieran Ma. But the one thing um, was that he sort of he, he ran a much improved race, I thought, in the course of the cup. He was sort of in the front with about 200 to go. Um, and of all the, you know, like I said, they ran 20 lengths above par in that race. And he was sort of um, probably the best of the on paces. Uh, well, he was the best of the on paces. Um, I just know with Kieran Mar, they, they just they have the horse so rock hard fit for this race, and they do well with this race. But um, I don't think he's a fluke. I don't know that he runs sort of third or fourth just with the Kieran Mar factor and the fact that he's coming off a really strong run off a strong tempo, which is always a, a, a good lead up for the Melbourne Cup, um, even though it is out of the course of the Cup. But I was sort of going to just put a pen for him, but I think it was a play vote just because um, of that last run in Kieran Mar. Okay. And do you agree with? Yeah, um, I, I'm like Dean. I, he's never been one of mine. He's got seven thousand eight hundred meters in his legs, so he doesn't tick that box. 
I was so surprised what he did with the um, in the Caulfield Cup, but I, I think that's a combination of he just got sucked along by that tempo, and as I mentioned, it was a lot of that field couldn't get into the race just because of how quick they went because they were too far away. Um, I could tick a box and flick him in for fourth if you're doing a, a wide first four, but yeah, I, a win would surprise me at sort of um, or, or even a top two or three really. So. Not for me, really. Okay. That's it's definitely one of my ones. 10 bucks on $67. <laughs> and again, this, is, <laughs> this is why I never win. Um, so, <laughs> number nine, Val and Declare. Um, what, what do you think of the Val and Declare? That's also not very, not, doesn't, the bookmakers don't really give much of a chance, I guess, at $34 with a leak. But, Dean, what do you think? Uh, well, he, he won the race uh, a few years ago. And, um, and then he's been pretty out of form since then. But his last couple of runs um, hit the line really hard for second behind Alligator Blood in the Caulfield Stakes. Um, that was a really, really good run. Um, with really good sort of closing sectionals up a, up a huge speed. And you know, Alligator Blood ran, ran a, a place in, in the, um, the Cox Plate. And then he was wide, no cover um, in the Moon Valley Cup and still stuck on and, and nearly won that. So going as well as he has for a very long time, um, you know, and like I said, he's won the race before. Um, and I just think even though he's an eight-year-old, sort of did it a few years ago, had um, Twilight Payment win this at sort of 31 as an eight-year-old and, and another eight-year-old down third, so they, they can do it. And I, I think um, I think he's, again, one you have to throw in the trifectas and, and first fours and that sort of thing, because I think he's a pretty strong place chance at least. Val declared this because he's racing well as in form, he can run the trip. Okay. And Luke, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely no chance for me. Um, <laughs> he won his he won his Melbourne Cup and he got his Christmas birthday and everything else you can say handed to him. They it was one of those years where he was on speed, he got an amazing ride by Craig Williams and nothing pressured him the whole way and he somehow fell in. Um, he's had three runs that's sort of similar up over this sort of pain barrier since. He got beat 15 lengths um, in 2020. He got beat nine and a half lengths in 22. And um, in May, he went to Flemington over 2,800 and got beat 15 lengths. He seems to be going better this prep. Um, he's only got... Um, exactly. He's got 6,300 metres in his legs. Danny O'Brien can do some funky stuff like that, trying to go in a bit fresh, but I don't think that'll work in this instance and he won't be finishing in the top four for my betting ticket, that's for sure. Okay, I'll skip that one. <laughs> How about Cleveland? Um, well, again, not not paying very good odds at $26 in a league bet. Um, some bookies aren't giving much of a chance for Cleveland. What do you think? Um Let's start with Luke. I was absolutely gutted when he drew outside. Um, I think this is one of the... I think we'll see a, a roughy this year. Uh, I think this is one of the main roughy chances. The Gators just left me horribly cold. Um, they've either got to go right back or right forward. And this horse has got a, a win over seas at 3,700 metres in a decent rating race. He ran home in 34.3 over that, over 3,700. So the trip will be absolutely no problem whatsoever. Um, 
He obviously comes out of a Mooney Valley Cup, which was a bit bunchy finish, which I probably don't like. Um, and just sort of knowing the Lloyd Williams tactics, they do like to send them when they draw wide. And I just wonder, is there a bit too much pressure or not? But um, look, I'm going to be including him in some wide exotics. I think he's a real knockout chance. And, you know, you'll be able to tick the distances, no problem. Um, whether he's got the class and ability is probably the only question mark. But the horse we just mentioned, Val and Eclair, probably didn't have that class and ability and still was able to win a race, a Melbourne Cup previously. So I think he falls into that sort of category. Okay. And Dean? Luke, was he was he a more of a was he regarded better on a wet track overseas? It sort of seemed like most of his wet track runs were good and I know in the Sydney Cup they backed him heavily and I think they thought it was a wet track when Tessa O'Brien was training and was gonna be a plus even though he ran down the track that day. Is is he better on a wet or dry surface? Um, I think he's actually one of those ones where his probably record says he's better on a wet, but I don't think you could pot him on a uh, firm track. Mooney Valley is a fake firm track for mine. Mooney Valley and Canterbury, you always got to be very suspect on firm track at those type of tr- tracks because they have a, a different base. But yeah. he's run at Ramwick over 2,600. He got beat 2.8 lengths with a little bit of synthetic hoof filler on and they went 13 lengths above average there in that land legend race. So um, I still think that was quite firm ground for mine it's not an issue um but I, I do take your point like his record would sort of indicate that he's a wetty but um even when they backed him heavily in the sydney cup i think that was just a case of tactics error um when you watch him he actually jumps equal with the leaders but because he drew uh barrier 16 they just then snagged him back and i think then his race was completely kaput um I'm tipping they'll go forward Tuesday, and I reckon he'll give a hell of a side. And he's a genuine blow your exotics up type bet. He's um, yeah, I, I do give him a some hope. Okay. Yeah, sort of add him at a rough place chance for the third or fourth type horse again. Might try and do trifectas and third fourth. But, um, I just I didn't sort of quite think he had the class to take it out. If I had a, had a, had a dream run sort of in the Mini Valley Cup. Um, and, and that was sort of his, his race. Um, but I, um, yeah, I think he sort of uh, he could be a plus chance. And okay, <laughs> all right then. Oh my god, I lost my spot. We're up to Ashron, right? Yep. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Again, Ashron's chance. The bookies are giving it next to no chance at thirty-four dollars. Karen McAvoy. Yep. I suppose I'll start. He's one of my horses. Um, he's run in the Melbourne Cup of when Twilight Payment won it. Was one of the best Melbourne Cup defeats you'll ever see. He um, he come from last, got beat four lengths, and ran home in some ridiculous thirty three seconds or something over the last six hundred. And that was on a three day backup after he'd won the Lexus. So unfortunately, since then he's had some major issues, and that saw him have the best part of, I think, 1,100 days from memory off. He, he, on ability, is a weight-for-age horse that's carrying um, no weight on his back, which will be a huge, huge plus for this horse. He gets 51 and a half, 
and this horse's whole life he's carried 58 to 61 kilos really um he's got a bit of class about him he loves flemington he's definitely not a winning chance because he doesn't have the miles in the legs but he's a classy horse and there's a lot of horses in this race that are genuine listed ability horses where even though his best days are behind him um i've got no doubt he'll finish top eight and he could knock a few out in exotics for third and fourth again but look unfortunately he can't win his best days are behind him and he doesn't have the miles but he's going really really well and um look the positive is he comes out of some fast run races which i like and um it gives him some sort of grounding to to run the trip and the distance will be no problem oh and dean what do you think um, well, Luke knows, of course, better than anyone. I you know, remember being really keen on them in that 2020 Melbourne Cup and on a good race in the Geelong Cup, and then he won the, the Hopham three days before, and it, it was a really good run in that Melbourne Cup. His sections were, his closing sections were the best of the race. Um, I've got them here in front of me, and he was sort of plus 11.3 for the last thousand, plus 7.6 for the last 800. So, uh, but yeah, for, you know, for me, I think it's just, you know, you have sort of, um, He's had three years off the scene, and then he's he's coming into this Melbourne Cup, you know, fourth up. So just hard to to see him having had quite enough racing for it. Um, if he'd had sort of one more preparation, uh, it might have been a different story. Um, but I'm similar to Luke, you know, I think he, he he's, he's got the talent to sort of run a, a third or fourth. But um, um, you know, it's just unfortunate that he had that injury. Otherwise, you know, Luke would have had a whole lot of fun with him. I think over the last few years. Um, just one of those unfortunate circumstances where he got injured, but he's a, he's a good horse. Okay. Um, number 12 is Daquan Sweet Jr. That's a great name. Uh, <laughs> but this is where we get I don't know how the... you pronounced it right, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I watched The Wire and stuff like that, you know. So. <laughs> um, the, the, this is where we get into the ridiculous territory, paying $101 at Elite Bet for a a win and twenty six dollars for a place. Um, do you do you give the Quan Sweet Jr. any chance, Luke? No. Um, seven seven thousand seven hundred meters in his legs. Um, from memory, he won an Adelaide Cup or something. But um, he's one of those ones that will be out the back. He, he he doesn't have a lot of gate speed, and I think connections will be there, sort of trying to ride him to run top twelve to to get a check. But um, I don't have really any positives about this bike i'm going to put a bet on it that dean will agree yeah like he's won that leg cup on third and he actually ran sixth in this race last year which is um you know probably running uh better than um than expectations he, because he can stay you know he'll um he, he could sort of run a nice ninth tenth eleventh twelfth get get, get, get the owners a check but um uh he's not worth betting on in any capacity and I'd say you'd think the same around the next runner, Akita Sushi. Um, he's also paying the same $101 for a win and 26 for a place. Um, yeah, Akita Sushi and Shiraz, the next two for me, just put a pen through them for mine. Yeah. You, you as well, Luke? No, no. Um, so Akita Sushi, his um, most recent win was June at Ascot. Now, to give you an idea, he rated that race the exact same as what Vorban did on his soft track, and Akita Sushi did it on a firm track. So that run alone puts him right in the race. Um, 
Sydney's had three really good apprentices this year, and I think Dylan's probably long-term going to be the best of them. Um, so I'm really keen for him to, to get a ride there on a on a chance. But you've got to have a look at this horse's overseas form. He's carried six. Basically, his whole life, he's carried between 61, 63. He's carried 75 one day. Um, he drops to 51. If he had drawn a gate, I was going to declare him a top four chance. Um, the gate's really, really left me a little bit cold. But um, his best hope was going to be to draw soft and end up forward in midfield. And if he did that, I would have said he'll nearly be a good thing to run top four. Unfortunately... Barrier 20's just cruelty his chances. Um, Joseph is a very, very good trainer. Very, very good. Um, he's got miles in his legs. He's got 15,900. And he's the real... If you want to back a 100 to one shot, this is the horse to back. How about a place? $26? I don't want to go for in your reality $101. Look, I don't think it's the worst place bet you'll ever have in your life. Um, like I said, if he'd drawn some type of map, his chances, he, I, I could have had him $21, $18 in that range somewhere so to win. Um, wow. The map, what they do, he he has been ridden negative in the past. I think his Caulfield Cup run was basically a stretch of legs. And interestingly, when you watch that race, he was basically last the whole way. Um, and yes, they sucked up the fence. Um, but he was very, very good late sectionally, and he sustained his run. So what that tells you is he'll he'll run the trip no problem where a lot of these horses won't, and um, he's definitely the best each way, absolute roughy in the race. Right, and but do you think Shiraz? Dean just mentioned he put a pin in Shiraz. What what do you think of Shiraz? Um, I'm not a wine drinker, and I don't think this is any hope. <laughs> and another another Chris Waller horse too, Shiraz. Um, yeah, um, look, I know they paid a bit of money for him. He's done okay, but again, he's another Chris Waller one coming here with eight thousand seven hundred meters in their legs, and it's just not enough. You you don't mm. you rarely win a Melbourne Cup um, unless you get the the miracle race shape with no pressure, and it ends up a sit and sprint home. You know, it's happened in the past. Very elegant. Uh, Green Moon won one one year, um, but yeah, there's I think form factors doesn't have the fitness and also gets a bit of a a tricky sort of map for that particular horse. Yeah, I guess you agree, Dean Fisher Rose. Yeah, yeah, it's not going, yeah. it's not going well enough. Um, and I love this next one, Las Tochka. Let's, let's pop, yeah, That's we, brilliantly pronounced. <laughs> I thought you said you don't know these horses. <laughs> I'm just making them up as I go. <laughs> um, what, what do you think, Lestat? Craig Williams' horse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luke, we'll start with you. Right. She's a she's another one of my horses. Um, she's knee high to a grasshopper, and I actually think the the gate is a big positive with her. She's drawn inside. She's very robust, but she's not very big, and I would have hated to seen her in the pack. So um, her racing pattern: she comes out of France. French races are typically run slow early, and then they really ramp it up from about the thousand home. Um, she's got a really good turn of foot, and she's got the heart the size of a lion. She's never ever run poorly in her life. 
She comes off a last start, Group 3 win over 3,100. So it's going to tick a lot of boxes there. If it was wet, she would have been a genuine top three chance. Mm. Firm's not against her, but um, she just seems to excel in the wet. Firm, she's a genuine top six chance. Can she win? On pure ratings, I've got her probably two to three lengths off those top horses. But um, she's a real try. She's going to get the distance. I think the gate will be fine. She'll go back, uh, ride her to hit the line, and if she gets the right run into the race with uninterrupted run, she's a third and fourth one for your exotic. Oh, great. Um, and so this is her uh, Australian debut, I'm just reading. Yeah, so we bought her out of France. Um, she came on the second, second shipment. She's, um, she's won on a number of firm tracks, so don't let that disappoint you. Um, even though her, probably she's better on a, a firm. And she does bring different form. Like she's run, um, she got beat three lengths to a horse called Simca Mile up there. And he'd be in the top three sort of staying horses, probably top five in Europe, top two in France. Um, there's really deep form lines with her. And when she gets beat, she doesn't get beat too far. And um, the trainer was absolutely filthy when the owner sold her to us, just, Wanted her out of the stable that day, just had the shits big time. And I know Mick Ken and Mick Jr. are just are in love with her, just how well she's worked. And um, Craig Williams, he's a bit of a card player. He, he likes to try them all out and he come and rode her and, um, yeah, he wasn't getting off her after the first ride. So she'll, um, whether you can win a Melbourne Cup with this sort of platform of sort of um, not running recently... She's had 65 days since she's won, uh, sorry, ran, which she did win. That's about the maximum that you want um, historically, but it, but it is a positive. Um, she does go well fresh. There's, there's lots and lots of positives. Probably, you know, if she'd drawn sort of 15 or so, it would have been slightly better because we could have been a few pairs closer, but she brings different form to a lot of these and there's a lot of question marks and a lot of, probably a lot of lack of depth. Um, if she gets a clear crack at him, she will be right there. Okay, what about you, Dean? You, you support Luke's horse? Yeah, yeah, I was really um, looking forward to hearing what Luke had to say about her because I sort of um, I like her. That French form has held up a lot in um, uh, in the Melbourne Cups. She's been like to sort of ding it in the American. This the horse has uh, come from over there, um, and and Luke doesn't sort of. Barty's Melbourne Cup horses for no reason, so she's obviously run the sectionals and, and, and done enough for him. I agree, she, she, you know, from what I've seen of her, she's sort of a small, slightly framed thing, and they usually skip along in the wet, so if it had been a really wet track, it would have just uh, aided her even further. But, um, you know, she's got Craig Williams, and, and um, she's in form, and, um, you know, I think uh, in terms of the lightweight chances, um, she's definitely one of the best of them, and you've got to, I think you've got to throw her in everything for Okay. Um, she she yeah. never carried this weight. The lowest weight she's ever carried is 55 and a half. So mm -hmm. she won't know herself. And I think that's one issue where weight does help these littler horses, you know. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, a good chance. Okay. Um, so moving on to Magical Lagoon, um, who's ridden by, I love the name Duplessis. He's, he's also a USC fighter. His yeah. name is Duplessis. And I just love the way it sounds. <laughs> yeah, and, a, and a cricketer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, um, good South African name. Um, 
But bookies are given this one no chance. What about you guys? Um, Dean, maybe we'll hear from you first. Um, the UFC fighter and the cricketer are better than the jockey, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the UFC fighter is going to fight for the title, hopefully. <laughs> um, and um, I know the, the horse is in that flash. I don't, I don't like it. I think it's uh, probably a good chance of running last. Oh, wow. Can you bet on who runs last? Yeah, you can take a sweep. Okay, I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> this is your first another, another, another Chris. An <laughs> another Chris Waller horse. You guys don't sound too keen on the Chris Waller horses today. <laughs> no, look, Chris is just a freakish trainer, but I think he gets yeah. the Melbourne Cup wrong every year. Um, yeah, yeah. She's got five thousand eight hundred meters to a name. Um, I think she won an Irish Oaks or something like that, and it was a good year that year, but she's just come here and just shown nothing like that form. Um, she's not going to be fit enough. I think it uh, gives Mr Yang a runner in the race, but like a lot of the horses here, that's why they're here, just to give them a runner. But she she won't finish, and I agree with Dean. I think she'll finish next to the ambulance. Okay. Um, so then military mission... Um what, what what do you give the military missions chance of thing? Um, I like this horse. I've sort of followed this horse for its whole career since it came to Australia. Um, it trialed really well when it first came. Sort of backed it quite a few times on the way through. Uh, this prep has improved. You know, it won the won the Newcastle Cup and was really strong on the line there. Uh, the Metrop I thought was a really good run. Um, sort of got got a fair way back, was sort of wide the whole way. I just sort of couldn't get in from the barrier. Um, and then I thought Zach Lord just went too early on him. Um, and he, he, uh, he probably should have run third at big odds when I was on him. Um, Calipore just sort of beat him. He, he beat home, ran past Cleveland. And Boy Star Gentry then ran fourth in the Caulfield Cup. The form got awful out of that match drop. And then he won the Herbert Power and the sectionals were really not that flash in the Herbert Power. And they're sort of an average horse that ran third. But um, but he carries 57. Um, he drops to sort of 51 here. Rachel King coming up a little win in the Coolmore. Um, and she actually rides the staying races really well. She won the Sydney Cup. Um, uh, just, I like him with a lightweight chance. I think um, he draws well. He's just going to sit there. Um, you know, you can be reasonably close uh, in sort of the, the top eight and running, get a nice, easy sort of economical run. And, and I think he can run a really big race. From, uh, um, I just sort of feel like he's running into form and um, he, he gives the impression that um, he could run out the trip. How about you, Luke? Does military mission have enough miles in the legs? Yeah, you talk about um, trainers that know how to set them for the races. It's um, certainly Gay Waterhouse and Bot. Uh, 13,300 metres in the legs. The gate, I think, probably gives it four or five lengths compared to some of these. Um, I've got him sort of bang on midfield. A bit like Dean, um, he's been, he's run at Newcastle was amazing. Metrop was good. Herbert Powell was good enough. Um, I'm not like Dean. I don't rate the rider at all. But uh, I think you need a, an experienced rider that has a clock in their head and no offence, but I don't think Rachel has. I think it'll run top 10, but I can't see it running top three. So it sort of falls into that category there somewhere. 
the gate really helps it sort of it'll get a check but it'll a check for connections but probably not for punters Okay. Yeah, it's been um, it's been uh, it's been ten years since um, Gabe Waterhouse won the cup with Fiorente, so um, yeah, wonder if she can do it again ten years later. Maybe not, from what you guys are saying. Uh, we're not over yet. Um, she's got serpent serpentine as well, serpentine serpentine. There you go. Yeah, yeah. The, the easy ones. I don't know what to say, what to call them. <laughs> what was Gabe Waterhouse's <laughs> chances with serpentine? <laughs> Serpentine. Um, what do you think, Luke? Yep, um, Serpentine. He's got 14,200 miles in his legs. Um, the gate's outstanding for him. I think he'll be forward to midfield. He'll get that suck run that does no work. Whether he's quite got the ability, but look, if you look at some of his, his runs up in Queensland against um, the Caulfield Cup winner, um, without a fight, I think that puts him right in the race. Now, he's another one that very rarely has carried anything but, um, you know, significantly higher weight than what he's going to carry here. I reckon he's one of the best roughies in the race. Um, he did run in this race last year, started $34 and got beat 100 length. But that was on a, on a sort of wet track. I think he's going okay, and he's got a real sense of of being set for the race. Um, Gay's effort to win with him in March, first up at Eagle Farm, I thought was outstanding. Uh, he probably doesn't win out of turn a lot of races, but um, he's one that's going to blow a lot of people out in exotics, and I think you've got to tick, tick put him in all uh, bet types. Okay. You, how about you, Dean? What do you What do you think? Um, I think he's a bit of a plotter, but he um, but he sort of sticks on. Um, but I agree, he, he, he chops sharply in weight here. Gay's got him going a lot better than, than he was um, when Lloyd Williams was training him himself. Um, and he's sort of running the bark Cummings was, was solid enough with 58. Um, I think that it's just a case of 51 kg, Jay McNeil, who's led all the way in a Melbourne Cup on twilight payment. I think we'll try and do the same here. I'd say they'll push to lead with certain time. Um, and just depending if, if some of those uh, others, like a bird or whatever, want to, want to cross and really sort of strong tempo. But I think he'll be right up on the speed and he'll, he'll stick away. And yeah, he could, he could run sort of a, a third or four. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's sort of that sort of rough place chance. Paying $12 for a, a place is not a bad bet then, I guess. Um, so, uh, runner 19, Virtuous Circle. Um, what, what do you think, Luke? Um, virtuous Circle, look, 8,500 metres. He uh, gets back. And that's all the good things I can say about him. Are <laughs> 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 you Dean? Do you have something nice to say about Virtuous Circle? Um, no, no, he's um, a little bit nicer than to have a runner, but um, I don't think he's going to do anything. Paying $101, I, I, there's uh, nobody in the world kind of gives him any chance at anything, yeah. Um, so we can skip over Virtuous Circle, basically, and talk about more felons. Um, what do you think, Luke, with more felons? Yeah, um, so this horse, if those keen beans are doing their... Um, European form. He was formerly called Scriptwriter overseas. Um, Richard Pegan bought him and 
Richard's not a bad judge. He, he buys a lot of cheap horses over there for not much money, and they've done well. He's, he's won the Melbourne Cup previously. Um, he's run this year against Hamish at York, was a really high-rating race, and then he finished um, midfield to absurd in the Ebor. The Geelong Cup for me was a real smelly race with um, such a blanket finish and a, a few suspect form lines being close. If there was one horse out of that race you want to take, it's this horse. Um, he come from back, typical first up sort of run. Um, interestingly, this horse has been in work forever, so if Chris Waller's going to win the race this year, it'll be with this horse. Um, okay. To be brutal, brutally honest, what you usually find is these horses off the plane. I, I assess them more on what their previous trainer has done with them rather than the one that basically puts the head collar on them race day. Uh, he's got twenty nine thousand nine hundred meters in his legs, so he wants the race to be run as brutal as possible, um, especially from his gate because he'll get back. He's some type of knockout chance. Most punters won't find him simply because they won't know him. Uh, they won't know the connection. They won't know the form overseas. He's a he's a genuine place chance, um, even from a rubbish gate. But some of that form over there is okay. He's just probably uh, he's won four from fifteen. He's still lightly raced. Sorry, that's absurd. Um, sorry, he's won four from fourteen. He's still likely race. I, I just think he's um, a horse that will not know himself with no weight on his back, and he'll be charging late. This horse, and um, don't dismiss him. And you, Dean, do you dismiss him, or do you agree with Luke? Um, yeah, good luck to Richard Pigham. I've spoken to him before. He's a, he's a nice guy, and he's had some great success in the past. I remember he won a he won a race with a horse at a hundred to one, the Queen Elizabeth, I think, one year. Um, he, I, I don't know, I think he got beat 12 lengths by Vauban. Um, at Ascot, he sort of got beat 3.3 lengths by Absurd. Um, he came and ran well here first up, but I agree with Luke. With Geelong Cup, the 10-year-old won the race. The Luke and ran third is not good form. So, um, so I think it was a bit of a question of race, but he was, I agree, the best run of that race. Um, I think they'll have fun with this horse, but I think, I don't know, all of this might have just come a bit too soon and... Um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just leaving him out. Although, um, by the same token, he wouldn't surprise me if he ran a really nice race. But I'm just sort of uh, I'm just kind of work around him. Okay. Um, now this is the horse with my favourite name in the race, Future History. <laughs> what do you think of Future <laughs> History, Luke? <laughs> I will vomit if he does anything because I had the chance to buy him early this prep, and I just didn't think he was good enough. Um, he's a listed Group Three sort of horse at best. Um, I don't like those form lines he comes through. Uh, and he's a, even though he's got a big, fat, sexy record as far as never miss, missing a top three, there's been some real smelly races there, and he's really done nothing. He, he sort of... Every now and then you get these horses that just... They have their Christmas and birthday every time they go around, you know, and I think he's one of them. Um, Craig Williams obviously was on him and he decided to jump off for Lestochka and um, he's, he's just not a winning chance for me. Interestingly, showcasing um, has no, none of his progeny won a stakes race over this sort of distance either. So I think it's all a bit of a, 
winging a prayer, but um, yeah, not for me. And, and you, Dean, not for you as well, or you um, there's a chance? Yeah, you know, like he won at Mooney Valley over two thousand at Lead, and they ran thirty lengths below par for the early sectional. Then he ran second at Mooney Valley, ran twelve lengths below sectional, but below par. Bart Cummings ran three lengths below par, and he led all the way and had a birthday, and he was kind of a solid third in the Mooney Valley Cup. It had every chance. Um, I think uh, you know the main the main point with him is sort of Kiramar. His horse was down the bottom of the weights. Um, he always gets one to sort of run a place. So he's a type of horse. Although I don't think he's any superstar, you'd you'd want to maybe chuck him in for third or fourth and get trifecta in first fourth. This is this is the type of horse that can sometimes. Yeah, you know, he gets to just um, you know run a run a big bottler and and, and run a place. So he's a chance of doing that. Okay. Um. So what about interpretation, Dean? Um. Runner twenty two. Um. You know, and not bookies don't have any any love for him at eighty one dollars. The leap bet. Um. What do you think? I think he's actually um probably the best the best place bet roughly in the race. Um. I've always had quite an opinion of in the Kermar stable. They've always really taught this sort of horse up, um, you know, and he did have some good uh, sort of group one form um, and group two type form uh, in the UK and, and France before he came here. Um, he sort of didn't have much luck last prep. He was sort of caught wide in races and he sort of ran third in the Bart Cummings was in a bad run behind Luna Flair and then he um, was sixth in the Geelong Cup but he was lame. And he got pulled up in the Melbourne Cup when I sort of was, you know, reasonably keen on him um, as, a, as a as a rough host, and then he's sort of come back this prep. I think he's been really targeted again for this race. Um, his Bart Cummings run was actually really big. If you if you watch the replay, he sort of got stuck on the fence, and he had to go hook all the way out, sort of ten wide to get a run. Um, he ran plus three point six for the last two hundred meters, which was the best sectional quite clearly of the race. Um, and that was sort of when he was just starting to get going, which gave me the impression that the distance won't hold too many years for him. And then he sort of won the Bendigo Cup. Um, his form lines are pretty much identical to High Emotion, who, who ran third in this race last year, which is the one. Um, he again came off a Bart Cummings run that was followed sort of a couple of bottom half after Bart Cummings, and then won the Bendigo Cup. Uh, and had T.O. Nugent ride it as well. And, and in fact, T.O. Nugent sort of wouldn't be lightweight for Kieran Ma and ran third. Last year, high emotion ran fourth the year before. Um, so, to me, this is just the exact type of horse that sort of Kieran Maher gets up at a, at a place. Um, and although I don't think he can win, um, I can still see sort of 20 or $21 place available with some bookies. And to me, um, at the moment, it's probably my favourite bet. I just think um, I think there's a really, really strong place chance before him, and I'm going to be um, unloading on him to place. Okay, um, so it's nineteen dollars currently with an elite bet for a place, and our best offer be dot com um, is actually nineteen dollars with a elite bet. Um, what about you, Luke? You think it's worth nineteen dollars? Um, a nineteen dollar bet um, for a place. I'm shit scared of Dean because he's so clever. Um, <laughs> six day backup, I think, is just whenever you get these horses up. 2400 and, and above any horse that's on a seven eight day backup is just so so scary um they their stats are fantastic um for mine i just question his ability he had really good um stakes form overseas 
But that was as a three-year-old. Um, he beat Akita Sushi one day in a in a good race, uh, and Akita Sushi was probably a bit unlucky that day, uh, coming off a, a rubbish platform. Um, he's run at Longchamp where he got beat two lengths. Was definitely good enough, but for mine, I'm just saying on his current form, I don't like him as much as probably what Dean does. 11,000 metres in his leg, so he certainly ticks that box. Um, yeah, just on Dean's wrap, I'll, I'll probably include him in you know minor monies, but um, for me, I just don't think he's classy enough to win. Okay, then. I'll, now I don't know who to trust. <laughs> <laughs> so what about Calipor, Calipor Luke? Um, are, they, are they worth a place bet at least at $15 in the league bet? Yeah, um, I know if you talk to the stable, Calipor will beat Cleveland every day of the week just on track work. But um, it's not judged on track work. It's it's obviously race day. He's a super, super consistent horse. Um, he was actually one horse I was trying to buy and the other connections got in and got under our neck and got him. He's, he's not really Melbourne Cup level. Um, in saying that, he will run the trip. He's very, very clean-winded, and they said he's pulled up like he hasn't gone around from yesterday, which is a a massive sign. And he's another one of these horses that comes out of all his recent racings where they've been brutal run races, and yet he's racing so well. So I think that stands you in very good stead to to go up to a new pain barrier. Um, as I mentioned before, there's three really good apprentices in Sydney. Um, for mine, Zach Lloyd was number three, even though he won the title. Tactically, I think he can get caught out quite a bit. Um, and I don't think he has as good a clock in his head as some of the others. And if it's one thing we know about staying races, you need a rider that has a very good clock in their head. And that probably, for mine, just sort of negates his chances a little bit. Um, I think Dean mentioned there before, the Lexus winner doesn't have a great record in recent time. And... Um, that probably just dulls my enthusiasm there. But the fact that he's so genuine and the fact that he's race hard feared, my main bet in a Melbourne Cup each and every year is the first four. So I'll be ticking third and fourth boxes for him. But, um, yeah, he, he's not good enough to win. Okay. And what do you think, Dean? Um, yeah, he's not good enough to win. He's another that if you like them, you can chuck him in the third or fourth in the trifectas that I... Um, but I'm probably even struggling to do that. I think he um, um, he's sort of just trotted away so far. He's sort of had a birthday up front. The defence was seated on Saturday, um, and they've been struggling to back up lately. So um, I think Zach Lloyd. Um, I like Zach Lloyd as a future rider. You know, I think between him, Tyler Schiller, and Dylan Gibbons, they're all very good. Zach Lloyd's my favourite at the moment. But I also agree with Luke that he's making all tactical errors of late. Uh, made a tactical error in military mission in the, in the net shop we went to early. He, was, he, was, he didn't really ride militarised particularly well in the Cox plate. And I think he's uh, he, he just lightly out of form after being in form for so long. But I, I, I can see in a couple of years with experience, um, I think he's, he's going to be you know, a rider that rides a lot of group one winners, Zach Lloyd. Um, and he's just getting experience at the moment. This would be a good experience for him. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be learning to get learning Calipor out on ability. Okay. Um, and the last runner for the race, who wants to go first with True Marvel? No way. Yeah. 
he needs um, some sticks in front of him and probably 5,000 metre race rather than a 3,000 metre race. Interestingly, just how fit he is, he's got the best part of 49,000 metres next to his name. So um, he won't lack for fitness if it's a drag him out, knock him down, sort of brutal staying race. That might see so he can run top 10, but yeah, no. No hope in the world. Yeah, just just looking, just looking at those elite bet odds, John. Um, True Marvels, the, uh, the the least chance of winning at one hundred and twenty six dollars. Yeah, on, on the last line of betting, no one's given uh, True Marvel any chance at all. Um, I don't know, Luke. If you've looked look, look much at those hurdles, people, million dollar steeples and plus in Japan and these other places, and sometimes wonder with some of these horses like True Marvel, and you probably had some in your time too, like. There's got to be a point where you actually decide to look at them overseas with some of these really rich hurdle and steeple races because you know, he's the type of horse that's just the ideal for that. I know he has, he has won, I think he's won one hurdle race and once they get him over the jump, he'll probably win everything here. But um, they've got some rich ones over long distances and he's just he's a, he's a two-mile horse. Yeah, they do. And um, it's interestingly, overseas, especially in Europe, they, um, their hurdle horses are just as valuable as their flat horses. Um, it's more of a prestige thing over there, sort of. We had a, a champion the last couple of years called Saunter Boy, the big grey fella, um, who's retired now, but, you know, he won a million dollars here just going over the hurdles, and he was a he was certainly a listed sort of horse at best here on the flat. So, um, yeah, just, look, you know, we, we've got the Melbourne Cup favourite this year that was bought as a hurdler, so... Um, and he'll probably be destined for hurdles when he goes back. So, but it's happened in the past. Um, we've had the odd hurdler come out and win the race. So, we'll, um, I don't think it'll be this year, but um, we'll see. Thanks, guys. That was actually really enlightening. I, at some points, I did feel like I was talking to software developers and just nodding along, um, pretending I understood what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely learn a lot. Um, is, uh, just to finish up uh, today, um, how about we start with Dean and we get a uh, top five selections and a betting strategy? Um, top five, um, I think in terms of value, uh, I think, you know, without a fight, um, I like uh, absurd, you know, I think, is decent value of the overseas horses, um, as is Lestotchka. What the fuck I got wrong? Lestotchka. You did better than yeah, that. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a good value with them. I do like military mission. I think um, I think it's going to run a big race. Um, and and I thought sort of break up, you know, the Japanese horse is still a chance, you know, and, and all of those horses, but from without a fight, are sort of, you know, 20, 20 or 30 to 1. Um, so I'm sort of working around those five, and then, like I said, I think interpretation is is the place bet at sort of twenty one dollars a place um, that I'll be going hard on. Um, and then you know, if you you're having sort of your trifectas, the sort of the six, and if you're throwing some others into place, I think you got to throw in. Um, you know, I might want to throw in the favourite ball barn. You know, definitely gold triple run a big race, um, and probably like the Val and Declare and Falcon as well. Uh, a place chance which is going a bit wider if you're, if you're the type that wants to take a trifecta or a first four. Um, yeah, tricky, tricky sort of race this year. I'm, I'm not enormously keen on um, on anything in particular, and 
And so um, you know, I'm probably going to focus most of my attention on just a couple of roughies like military mission and interpretation to place and, uh, and to see if, uh, if anything changes on the day. Dean, can I just ask, how have you got the speed in the races? Have you got slow or medium or fast? Um, my database sort of does it based on the first 600 metres um, and, you know, just based on their actual speeds that they've run in those first 600 metres and got an above average speed. Um, yep. but, it, but it doesn't know what to do with Observed either. So it's sort of got Serpentine, Magical Lagoon, Breakup, um, sort of the first three, then, you know, Right You Are and Future History probably sitting right behind them. Um, and, the, you know, I think Military Mission then maps nicely just behind those. Um, and then you sort of got like the likes of Val and Declare and Cleveland and Shiraz and Interpretation all sort of out wide that are going to want to come across. Uh, and then if you've got a bird up there as well, you know, I think there'll be a decent temper. I think, um, mm. I think you know, a potter like Serpentine is probably going to want a sort of reasonable tempo uh, to be any chance. Um, you know, and, and, and there's probably enough horses in here that, that need to be on speed or, or are being used as, as pacemakers to turn to a genuine tempo. That's what I think. What about yourself? Yeah, look, I was the same. I had above average tempo. I thought the hurdler, True Marvel, his only hope is to sort of serve it up to them and try and annoy those sort of front ones and whatnot. I don't think they'll try and ride him cute. Mm. Um, and I suppose Vaughn declares not a fast horse, but I think they're forced to go forward and try and slot in. And typical Lloyd Williams, I don't think they like their horses going right back too often. So the fact that Cleveland's got gate speed, I think you'll see him right on speed or wide out the back, and I'm probably leaning more on speed. So, um, typically in these race shapes, you you, um, you don't want to sort of have horses caught wide. So those inside draws, I think, are going to be gold, um, especially those ones that can sort of sit midfield and do no work, and then it's just a case of sort of praying for a run. Okay, and. Um, so do you have do you have five tips for for your top five selections, Luke? That you could give us some insight into. Yeah, I'm like doing this year. I think um, I think it's a genuine. Sadly, the the race quality is not as good as it has been in previous years due to the VRC requirements. But I think it's a very even race this year, and as a result, I, I do think those exotics are going to pay quite handsomely because I, I do think a roughie will win the race. I can't, I'm not super keen on one particular horse. Um, I think if we get four burn out of the top four, the, the first four will pay fantastic. And that'll be my betting strategy. It'll be to try and um, put most of my investment in this particular race in a, um, in a wide first four. But if I probably had to pigeonhole them, I think the the best each way is Serpentine um, at huge odds. I think Gold Trip probably doesn't miss top four. He's just going too good. On my ratings, the best horse on current form is without a fight. But like I said, he's got a he's got a few question marks. He's got a terrible map, and he's got that distance query that. Um, you know, he's won a couple of races at 27 and 2800 in Europe, and some of them weren't fantastic. 
The three horses that have got a smell as if they've been set for one race only is Sulcum, Serpentine and Breakup. But like I said, we've mentioned the Waller set up. Um, Serpentine, a huge question whether he's actually classy enough and probably the same for Breakup. So, look, I think you if you're going to have a bet, don't, if you've got your 50 bucks or 100 bucks, don't just try and find the winner. Put it and try and snag the first four because it wouldn't surprise me if this paid 100, 200,000 this year. I could see some a number of roughies in the race. Um, Serpentine gold, gold trip's not a roughie, but um, if he misses a top four and there's a, there's some genuine value to be had in the horses of like Lestochka, Akita Sushi, more felons, those type of horses. So, um, bit of a dog's breakfast this year. There's sort of um, not a real obvious sort of horse. I think the obvious horse in the race is Vorban, and he's obvious because he's the wrong price. So, um, yeah, even though uh, it might be the option, you just I think you better around him. And um, if you want to back a three dollar fifty winner, get Dean's stuff because he'll find you a lot safer bet than three dollars fifty than what Vorban will be. And um, they still pay you the same if we're at Newcastle or Brisbane, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, Luke, I've just got a quick one before we wrap up. Um, in what way? You mentioned those VRC requirements might have sort of reduced the quality in the race this year. I'm just wondering if you could just um, go into a bit more detail on that one just for our listeners. Like, In what, in what ways are those requirements reducing the quality of the race? Um. Look, the the overseas community, horse racing community, just basically laughs at Australia now. And um, with these um, probably quite invasive exams that the horses have got to go through, you know, you're getting multiple Group 1 winning trainers that have been training their whole life being told by a vet that's never seen the horse, that their horse is not suitable to come to Australia to race because it might break down. And um, a lot of connections have sort of said, well, you know, we don't need the Melbourne Cup. And as a result, it's just really dropped off the radar internationally. There's there's so many big money races now in Saudi, Dubai, America, Hong Kong, Japan. Our prize money probably hasn't gone up enough to attract those better horses. It's got that prestige, and that's the only thing that's keeping the Melbourne Cup going at this stage is the prestige. Um, the Pommies love the prestige, but um, they also understand it's such an expensive exercise to come here. You know, it'll be the best part of 120 to 150000 to bring your horse here and bring it back to Europe to come. So if you're coming and then to run the risk that the vet that doesn't know your horse tell you that you can't run, it's a damn expensive exercise, and unfortunately, all the numbers from the imports you're seeing are dropping off. Um, previous years, we've sort of had between 30 and 40 horses come each year to quarantine, not just to run in the Melbourne Cup, but to run in other races. And uh, this year, they usually bring two shipments, and this year on the second shipment, there was one horse coming for the Melbourne Cup, and that was my horse, Lestochka, where normally there'd be eight or 10 or 12, you know? So it's a bit of a shame, and probably the the quality of the field reflects that. Uh, and that's why the race is so open this year. You know, um, your two, your best two horses in the race, Gold Trip and Without a Fight, carry a little bit more weight. 
and that's why there's so many horses on on the limit this year or carrying 50 51 that range um probably just re- reflects the quality because without disrespecting the race there's a lot of these horses that would start in a listed race and wouldn't start favorite and um yeah it's just just the way it sort of turned out so yeah, hopefully they can fix that. What was that? Um, that's a shame. Um, so uh, just before we wrap up, if you guys um, um, have got anything else to add, I'll just um, let our listeners know that this podcast was brought to you by Winning Edge. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading betting tips, advice, and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and generate long-term profits by treating your betting as a business. Go to winningedgeinvestments.com. Um, so, yeah, before we wrap up, once again, thanks, guys, for all of that information. Dean, have you got a special tip for us for the day? Um, I haven't had a really close look yet at, at Flemington, but I've, I've got one that's probably 60 to 1, 66 to 1 that I thought was a... One that can, uh, uh, if you've done your Dallin and Melbourne Cup, then you might be able to get it back quickly in the race afterwards. There's a horse called Aprilia, trained by Andrew Forsman, who's a very good trainer. He used to train with Murray Baker in New Zealand. Um, three starts back at that sort of three wide, no cover, and they got beat two lengths over 1,400. Then I ran second in the Edward Manifold, um, and the winner there was Zardozzi, and the third horse was Amazonian Last, and they, they couldn't have lived the, the wakeful on Saturday. Um, and um, uh, and they drew away from the rest of the field. Um, her, her other two runs in Australia were poor, but they were both at Mooney Valley. I just have a feeling that um, she just doesn't like Mooney Valley. So she gets back to Flemington here. She can race on speed. She's drawn a bit wide, so you know she kind of needs to slot in. But if she does slot in, 66 to 1 is just a crazy price about a horse who's beaten home Amazonian left um, twice this prep. Uh, and it won the, the wakeful. Um, and, uh, and, and like I sort of um, had no luck in the, in the gym line as well, so I just thought uh, there's one that stood out for me as a horse at 66 to 1, which would probably be, you know, more like $12. I think Kamachi's coming up a 38 day break, is a favourite. Um, and it's had a few grand finals, it's sort of an afterthought. The field's a really nice filly, I like her, but I'm not totally sure um, if 1400 is going to suit her. I think Kamachi is short odds, but, um, you know, sort of uh, top beat first up. Um, with a seven and a half k weight advantage to Kizzy. Um it was just okay on Saturday. So I'm just, uh, you know, I just think uh, six to six to one is a huge price about Aprilia. Awesome, that's my kind of bet. How about you, Luke? <laughs> Have any um, special tip for us? I've just got over the nightmare of Nugget getting beat this day last year because I had it going to <laughs> win a small set of flat. <laughs> um, Still gives me shivers. Um, yeah, I've have got one here, and it's a blast out type of bet for you. If we haven't got the first four in the Melbourne Cup, a horse I own called Inver Park in race ten at Flemington. Um, he's a genuine Group Two ability horse. Um, he's not a big fella, but he, he's got to carry the sixty kilos. But um, I thought it was a two-horse sort of race with Inver Park. He was $10, $12. I think you could back him heavily. Um, he's been horribly unlucky in some of his runs in Australia so far. He does no work. 1400's perfect. Jamie Spencer will ride him terrific. And um, 
at $12, I really didn't think you could miss, um, with the danger being the thing of Mars, Cordell Lane, not 100% sure what price he was, but um, I think you could play those two in that particular race. And probably the other one on, on the day of mine that should run particularly well, and again, I haven't got the prices in front of me, but um, race six at Ramwick, a horse called Ezekiel. He was huge first up. Um, he gets no weight. He's going particularly well. And um, I just thought he was a really good value bet um, in a distance that should be right up his alley. So they were the, they were the two sort of left field ones. But, um, yeah, my advice would be this year particularly, don't be afraid to sort of whether you want to box six or eight in a Melbourne Cup and just get a little 10% or 20% type bet. Um, your other option is, you know, do some something between what Dean suggested, where you you know you might back five or six to win and eight to place and ten to run third and a few wider to run fourth and sort of stagger it to try and include a few more and get a a bigger dividend. But we look at this race every year in the the trifectas, but especially the first fours pay massive massive overs. Um, I think this year, because the race is so open, you're better to go for a first four, and even if you have to tick the field box for fourth, um, with, with the exception of taking out, you know, two or three of those absolute no hopers that me and Dean might have mentioned previously. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's the one race I love to splurge a little bit on in, in terms of an exotic, because if you can get it, it could um, make a make a huge difference in your in your financial situation. Ooh, okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, so thanks, yeah, thanks, Dean from Winning Edge and Luke from Australian Bloodstock. It's been, as I said, it's been really, really insightful. Um, and hopefully, we all do well on Melbourne Cup on Tuesday. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks, uh, thanks for having us. Um, anyone out there that wants a Melbourne Cup runner next year, I reckon I bought one last week. So get in contact. Um, he's a he's a pretty good horse. Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Luke.